Thank you for tuning in to this message from Kingdom Airs International, headquarters located in Flagstaff, Arizona. Okay, so uh, we're going to do a couple things tonight. And uh, as Missy was just sharing, uh, that we have been having some anyways meetings, meaning we have been having some time corporately where we have been going through things that maybe we already know or we should already know or we have um, had, uh, it's been released, we've talked about it, we've um, pressed through different seasons as a family and um, sometimes when we are going from glory to glory and there's continual movement, you have to stop and remember what it is that you already know, right? Sometimes we have to be reminded of the things that we already know, right? We can get bogged down by a process. We can get distracted by earth, right? by the condition that we're in as we move from glory to glory and we forget what we're supposed to be standing on or how we should be operating. Yes? So, so in the spirit of the anyways meetings, we're going to have something kind of like that tonight, but there is also a specific thing when we said anyways, that there has to be a circumstance or there has to be something that comes, that confronts what you know. Meaning, Missy, what was that definition of anyways again? Okay. So I'm gonna tell you that there is something that's standing in the way. We're gonna be talking about things that we already know But in addition to that, there is something in us that is standing in the way from moving, okay? And we're gonna address that tonight. But before we do that, we're gonna go back through some things that we know to kind of set the tone of where we should be going, okay? All right. We're also going to, if you have your Bibles, we are going to be uh, getting into Ephesians 4 tonight. Okay? All right. Does anyone remember the rescue cycle? Raise your hand. Okay. We remember the rescue cycle. We remember the foundation of, of salvation. Yes? Make sure this is on live. Okay. Salvation is when we are reintroduced to him. Right? Okay. That's where we are reintroduced, and it's the beginning of a lifelong process of pursuing him to know him. Right? But sometimes what happens is we get in this cycle, and it's what we were calling the rescue cycle right? Where he rescues us. We're reminded that we need him, that we need something outside of ourselves. And we get caught, we get caught back up, but we stay there, right? We don't turn, our heart doesn't turn to pursue him. We just stay until we need to be rescued again. And so we stay in this cycle and we never grow. We never mature. We stay here at salvation and we never move on. On the back of this board. <laughs> oh, we're going to be doing this a little bit tonight. <laughs> Thank you, Derek. This is the process. Children to mature sons to fathers. Right? If we stay at salvation... This is really why we're both up here. (laughs) We're going to do this all night. Um, If we stay at salvation, then what it feeds is selfishness and complacency. Yes? And then it breeds 
the need for more rescue. Okay, do you remember when the word, when we walked out selfishness and complacency? Yes. Now I believe as a body that for the most part, we have grown and we have walked out the rescue cycle and we have moved out of selfishness and complacency. The reason I say for the most part is because selfishness is something that has a lot of layers, right? And that can kind of come up in our lives continually only because we have to grow more and more into his character and he's the only one who's ultimately selfless. Yes, okay. But as a body, we have moved, I believe, out of the rescue cycle. We're no longer stuck at salvation, okay? All right, we talked about how to break out of the rescue cycle. That when you're introduced or reintroduced to Yahweh, to the creator, to your father, that there's meant to be a natural response out of adoration, out of honor, where you turn and you follow. You turn and you pursue. Your heart, your goal, the, the destiny of your life immediately becomes to follow him and to know him, to pursue an intimate relationship with him for the rest of your life. That's the response to salvation, right? Hey, part of that that, we also, that uh, was also released was that when we are um, given new life, we start over in infancy, right? I am, I'm a child in the faith. I'm a child to things of Yahweh. I'm a child to things of the spirit. There are things that I have to grow in, that I have to mature in. And that's why his intention has been to set us in a family. Family, unfortunately, has started, had started to become over the last decades and years more like a church and less like a family that learns how to operate and govern together and rule over earth. So we lost some of that, but that's what he's restored. That's what he's working on reconciling the bride back to. That's the original intent, right? Okay. So we're set in a family. It's time to pursue, to know, and that knowing takes place or how we know is through clinging. You guys remember the three C's when we did this? Consist yes. Consistency, connection, and clinging. Yes. <laughs> yes, and if you weren't here, we can talk after. Um, okay, but the knowing can only happen through clinging. Remember that clinging is where you're holding on so tight to something that there's literally no space in between. If I'm holding on, regardless of what's going on around me, and I'm, I'm holding so tightly that there's literally no separation, there's no distance between me and what I'm holding on to. And that clinging is meant to be multidimensional because we were meant to pursue him and to be set in a family, right? Where as infants in the faith, we are to cling to those who are more mature right? I won't turn it again, but who, who have gone through their own process of becoming mature sons and then stepped into fatherhood and motherhood, right? So we submit to a mother and a father. That was his intention in the faith, a mother and a father that will raise us up in the way that we should go and will train us and equip us to becoming mature sons that will then become mature fathers and mothers. And the whole process is meant to repeat generation after generation after generation after generation so that all of his children are mothered and fathered in him. Yes, okay. So knowing through clinging. Knowing should produce something. There should be tangible results. <laughs> it will produce hunger. Hunger produces transformation. 
and then your personal transformation should produce multiplication. And that in itself is a cycle as well, right? Because once we see more hearts turn towards him, it will stir up a hunger in us to continue to become more and more like him once you grab a hold of his heart and you, you know what it is that he desires for not just you, but for the world, right? For all hearts to be reconciled back to him. Once that becomes what you literally breathe and eat and digest, and that is such a, such a burning in you, the only response is for you to transform more into his character and to multiply that and then that repeats over and over and over. That's how you go from glory to glory to glory, right? Which is part of why we had to get rid of this out of selfishness and complacency because those will only birth the same thing, right? Which is why there's a difference between church, religion, and relationship. One feeds this and one feeds this that flow that multiplies and that's how the world transforms, right? Okay. Okay. So I think we're gonna get into Ephesians 4 because there is a word as we've walked this out as a corporate body, and for anyone who's watching on Facebook Live and has been walking this process out in their lives, wherever you are, that this is what Yahweh has for the bride, okay? That as we've walked this process out, there is something right now that is preventing movement. I would say, thank you, Derek. Okay, we're officially gonna be on this side. Thank you, Derek. Um, okay, I would say we're maybe, mm, maybe right about, right about there. Maybe, maybe, I'll, I'll do that. A little bit more, okay? I'd say we're right about here in the process. That's not bad because we were here, okay? But we need to get here, right? Okay, so that multiplication can happen. All right. I'm gonna jump around a little bit in Ephesians 4. We're gonna start in one. Therefore, I, a prisoner for the Lord, urge you to walk in a manner worthy of the calling to which you were called, with complete humility and gentleness, with patience, putting up with one another in love, making every effort to keep the unity of the Ruach in the bond of Shalom. We're going to go up to 11. Re study it all, but for the sake of tonight. He himself gave some to be emissaries, some as prophets, some as proclaimers of the good news, and some as shepherds and teachers to equip the Kedoshim for the work of service. That just means the holy ones. Uh, where was I? For building up the body of Messiah. This will continue. This will continue until we all come to the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of Ben Elohim to mature adulthood to the measure of the stature of Messiah's fullness. As a result, we are no longer to be like children, tossed around by the waves and blown all over by every wind of teaching, by the trickery of men with cunning and deceitful scheming. Instead, speaking the truth in love, we are to grow up in all ways into Messiah who is the head. From him, the whole body is fitted and held together by every supporting ligament. The proper working of each individual part produces the body's growth for building itself up in love. So I tell you this, indeed I insist on it in the Lord. Walk no longer as the pagans do, 
stumbling around in their futility, in the futility of their thinking. They are darkened in their understanding, alienated from the life of God because of the ignorance in them due to the hardness of their heart. However, we're going to jump down to 20. 20. However, you did not learn Messiah in this way. If indeed you have heard him and were taught in him, as the truth is in Yeshua, with respect to your former lifestyle, you are to lay aside the old self, be renewed in the spirit of your mind, and put on the new self, created to be like God in true righteousness and holiness. Okay. Are you guys hearing that in the spirit for tonight? Okay. Seek is. All right. This will continue until we all come to the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of Ben Elohim to mature adulthood to the measure of the stature of Messiah's fullness. Okay. Has anyone felt throughout this whole, man, it's on the other side, throughout this whole, it's okay, Derek, it's okay. Throughout this whole process, I, I'm really not sure how long it's been. How long do you guys think we've been walking out really a, a, a depth of level of awareness of the gravity to which we're called and the level of maturity that it's going to take? About how long do you think that's been? We've got 25 years to three weeks. That's okay. That's okay. It's not so much about when you get it that you get it, right? <laughs> and that's not my point. But the point is, is as we've been growing in our level of understanding of the maturity that we have to walk in to literally become the head, to literally become and embody the Messiah on earth so that there will be a transformation on earth right? That as, as we've been walking that out, we have been, I mean, we are dealing with selfishness. We are dealing with pride. We are dealing with lust. And I mean, you name it, we are laying things down. We are picking things up and just, um, just walking out a process to grow into his stature. And we've been, we've been doing well, We've been doing well. We, you guys are doing amazing. Everyone on Facebook Live, everything you're enduring is real. It is hard. It is pressing. It is constant. It is constant. But if lately you have been feeling a tossing, I don't mean a wrestling. There's a difference. We're going to talk about that. But if you are feeling childlike in the sense that you don't know which way to go, there may be something in your way. And because we've had so much time to walk out selfishness and complacency, I'm gonna assume it's not just solely that. That there is something else that has come in that is standing in our way of becoming Messiah, of representing the Father, of representing the head. There's something that's keeping us here. Right now, at this point, we've moved. I'm not dismissing movement, but there's a, there's a stagnancy that I can feel. And there's a word for it, okay? And in his grace, he's releasing it. And it's blame. Okay. To blame simply means that we are assigning responsibility. Another way to work to, to word it would be we're redirecting responsibility. And it's keeping us from moving. It's keeping us from growing and maturing into mature sons that become fathers. Okay. 
Blame, <laughs> blame is a really interesting thing because I, when that the word first hit my spirit, I thought of blame as um, like, a, like an accusation that I would just make towards someone else, right? And I didn't necessarily see it as a shifting of responsibility. Because when you see it as a shifting of responsibility, it could literally be anything. It could be a mindset. It could be a, a, a circumstance. It could be another person, right? That I'm shifting the responsibility that was meant to be mine for my own growth and for the maturation of the bride I'm shifting the responsibility that was meant to be mine to work through and carry and grow in to something else. And it is so sneaky that it can literally be a thought and then you missed it. There was an invitation for growth and you missed it. There was an invitation for freedom and you missed it. There was an invitation to the next level of glory and you missed it. We're gonna do what we did with selfishness and complacency, okay? Because I feel like when that was identified in the spirit, being able to see it written and understand really what it affords us, it helped us chip away at why we might partner with it, okay? Okay. So blame is the redirection of responsibility and ownership. When I can own my mindset, when I can own my circumstance, right? And that's part of the culture that we're born into, being kingdom-minded. When I can do that, then I gain full ownership of something. But if I redirect that responsibility, I never have to fully own. What does blame afford us? It alleviates pressure. Press is healthy. Press is the extravagant expression of his heart for you. It is literally him meeting you where you are and saying there is more. It is not confrontational in the way that we feel it on earth. It is grace. Pressure is grace. Discomfort is mercy. And when we don't receive it that way because we don't like the feeling of pressure, we dismiss everything he died for. It prevents vulnerability. If I don't have to take ownership of anything and I can say that's because of this or that's because of that or that's because of this person or there's a reason for that. There very well might be a reason but you're never gonna have to work through it, right? Or even fully feel it or deal with the potential consequences of that, right? Which is easier? It's, it's, it's like alleviating the pressure, but vulnerability is something that comes with the pressure that is also for us to gain another level of freedom that moves us into maturity, that helps us in, in the pursuit of knowing who he is and remember that part of his heart, because we were made in his image, when we press in to know him, it reveals who we are. That level of intimacy requires vulnerability and you bet it's gonna come with pressure and it's gonna come with accountability. Right? Okay. Blame also affords us no accountability. Literally zero, zero, none. 
it's true. It's true. No accountability. We talked about that with one of the things that uh, when we dove into what keeps us from connection, what keeps us from clinging? Well, one of those things we said was, I don't want to be held accountable. If I'm that close to someone and they're going to know me, then there's going to be some things that they're probably going to have to present, (laughs) right? I'm going to have to confront those things. Again, it's his grace. But it is easier on earth to not be held accountable. So I'm going to shift that responsibility so that I don't have to deal with anything. Blame also gives you a sense of control. Did it go out? Oh, there. It also gives you a sense of control. I know when I feel pressed in every way, when the pressure's high, the vulnerability is at its max, I'm being held accountable more than I enjoy, (laughs) I absolutely feel like I have no control. Zero no control. It's like everything that I thought that I knew wasn't what I thought and everything that I thought was honoring was dishonoring and everything, right? It's like you feel like, especially in this process that the bride has been walking out where everything has been stripped and everything has been pulled back. It feels like I have nothing to stand on, but it's a lie because the tossing You could liken this, the feeling of not having control, you could liken that to being tossed to and fro, right? Where it feels like nothing is solid. I'm not sure of anything. I'm confused. I'm kind of like I'm over here and then all of a sudden I'm over here and I I don't know what's what and everything that I knew, right? That can feel like getting tossed to and fro, but what is it? It's alignment. It's alignment. There's a difference between being tossed to and fro or being tossed by the waves like a child because you don't understand truth and you don't have a sturdy foundation to stand on when things around you shift right? And sometimes I have to wrestle with what I thought I knew or what I knew and what he says over here. And there's, there might be like a back and forth and that's okay. That's okay because I'm grinding it out. I'm working out that truth. I'm, I'm doing that process of reconciling. When we had said that, you know, I'm over here, he's over there with truth and he presents it and I acknowledge it and I become aware, then I have to do what it takes to reconcile it, reconcile, literally to bring, to, to bring those things together so that there's not a separation. If he's truth and he's over there, then I got to figure out how to get there, right? And if I do all of this, <laughs> right? if I blame I'm stuck over there or halfway, So there is a difference, and I feel like the bride has felt or been engaged in a wrestling as we're reconciling truth because we're going back to his original intent, and there is some confusion because while some are wrestling, some are being tossed around. And the reason, one of the reasons in this moment that we're being tossed around, that we have an opportunity to identify is because our mindset is childlike. And not in the have the faith like a child kind of way. (laughs) In the sense of our level of maturity. Because children, until they understand how safe they are, they will redirect responsibility, right? They have to be led in a way that helps them understand that it is because I love you that I need you to take ownership. 
of your thoughts, of your circumstance, of the decision you made, of the way that you function, of what you did yesterday, right? It is because I want you to understand grace and I want you to grow and I want you to become a non-dysfunctional mother or father that I need you to take responsibility and ownership. And while we demand that of our children, we're literally shifting responsibility with even a thought. Whether there's validity, now watch your mindset right now, right now. Don't go home with those thoughts like, but that happened. But because you will miss the fruit that comes when you take responsibility for what he asked you to own. It is an easy out. It's an easy out and you will miss his fullness. That's what is heartbreaking about when we get stuck in things like selfishness and complacency and blame and pride and whatever it is, because ultimately all it does is keep us from him more. When we think we are self-preserving by redirecting responsibility and ownership, we're, we're sealing our growth and our future. It's like saying, because I can't handle this, I'm good here. I'm good. Well, and what happens? <laughs> Would have written it upside down if I'd been thinking things through. You end up back here. Right? Because if I never take responsibility or full ownership of a mindset, of a thought, of a circumstance, of whatever it is that he presents for me to take ownership of and grow in for the sake of my maturity, then I end up back here. I will always have a need. I will always need to be re-rescued, which just, again, breeds selfishness and complacency because we can say, this is the fullness. So once you recognize that you're here and all he has is literally unending, you respond when he stirs things up and identifies why you're stuck. Right? Hopefully. Hopefully that hunger for more outweighs any of this. Because there is something bigger. There is something that he desires. There is something that he is beginning to unfold and make known as he brings the bride back to her original intent that requires this. won't be accomplished without it. He's waiting for us to deal with things like blame, take responsibility, own what he presents out of his grace and his mercy so that the nation, the world can be fathered and mothered. And there is a, in Ephesians 4, I'm not gonna get into it too much because, um, I don't want us to get distracted, but there is something that he's waiting on. There is a level of unity 
that he is waiting on. And it's not, we've talked about this before in this house, it is not the unity that, um, it's not the unity that we grow up learning. There is a foundational reconciling that he has intended to take place that Paul wrote about in Ephesians that requires us to take full responsibility and full ownership so that that unity can take place. But it will only happen when we are walking in the fullness of his stature. That's what the word says. So anything that keeps us from his stature, from growing into the fullness of maturity, we have to identify it and we have to fight hard through it. Blame is what's next, it's what's here. And I wanna challenge you guys before um, Derek gets up here, I wanna challenge you guys, whether something hits you immediately or not, I am promising you that every single one of you operates in blame. I absolutely operate in blame. That was a great example, Gabe. He was like, you operate in blame. I'm fine. Do you want me to give you a couple um, like hints as to if you might operate in it? Okay. Do you want me to, should I erase the board? I'm just kidding, just kidding. I'm just kidding. Yes, yes. Stephanie is giving some great ones. Um, excuses. It, I mean, guys, it's, it's crazy how, how, does everyone have this? Okay. It is a mindset shift that you will begin to recognize you probably operate in most of the day. And again, we're identifying it because it keeps us from his fullness. Right? Not only for us, not only the fullness that he has intended for us in relationship with him and in our lives. You guys, if we dealt with those things that he asked us to take responsibility of, that he pointed out and he said, man, you keep struggling with this, or, or this, is, this is the mindset you're, you're stuck in, or these are your priorities, or whatever it is. And in that moment, for whatever your reason is, you say, mm. or it's something that you just can't get on top of, right? It is not only keeping you from the fullness in your life, but from the fullness that's intended for the bride to be able to bring his fullness on earth. And it's as simple as, as dismissing his voice in a moment in your day. Where he said, mm, if you had taken responsibility for this, when you were, you know, that one day when you felt it, I know you felt it and I brought this up, and it was too vulnerable and it was too much of a press, your whole life would have looked different. Your legacy, your kids, your grandkids, all would have been different. That's it. Okay. Let's come up with some together. How do you know, how do we know, how do we identify that we struggle with blame? Okay, that we struggle with shifting responsibility. Let's say it like that, because I want us, blame can be such an easy word to write off because we have never understood it fully, right? Um, so uh, let's use shifting responsibility and ownership. So maybe if you, um, you would struggle with blame if you ignore his voice or you dismiss it. If you say things like, in a conversation with him, but, 
they, immediate shift. It's not mine. Anything else? Basically anything, all right, I've got some more for you. Do you operate in accusation? Do you struggle with defensiveness? That's a big one. And defensiveness can just, uh, can really, um, really easily be justified, right? Because there's a reality to not feeling heard. There's a reality to not feeling acknowledged. There's a reality to not being understood. There's a reality to being misunderstood and um, there's a reality to you being right. (laughs) You know, but in any of that, if it causes you to be defensive, you are missing something. And there is something that you're shifting. Anything else? Like one way that we ignore his voice when he's trying to get us to take responsibility of something would be um, to dismiss it as like your own thought. Or, um, uh, what? Mm -hmm. Yeah, being complacent in it. That's ignoring his voice, right? It's like when we talk to our kids about, um, uh, what do we call it? Immediate obedience or first time. That's the term. Uh, first time obedience, you know, and um, we say first time, first time. Well, why? Because there's a fullness that they're missing, right? And they might not have access to that fullness right now, but our relationship is built on the fact that I need you to trust that whether you understand or not, and it stirs up any of this, <laughs> I need you to obey. So dismissing could, simple, could simply be delaying. Um, defensiveness is one that comes up a lot in um, relationship. You know, so someone presents something to you and immediately, instead of hearing first and trying to gain understanding, which is a Hebraic mindset, right? Instead of listening first and trying to gain understanding, my first response is, yeah, but, or, well, that's not, that, that wasn't, whatever, however you say it, if it's defensive, you're already operating in blame and you're going to miss the fullness of what Yahweh had in store for that. Every argument, every disagreement, Every juncture like that in any relationship we have, just like we have with Yahweh, is an opportunity for more access. It's an opportunity for more intimacy. It's an opportunity to know more, for a deeper level of awareness. But we literally stop the process, we halt it in our tracks when we operate in blame. Even in your own, in your, in your marriage with, I mean, with anyone, with our spiritual parents, yeah, so within a company, uh, oftentimes companies will get to a point where there's a barrier and they feel like there's no forward movement. You could have a CEO or a leader of a company and literally that individual can roll out some of the best plans, best ideas to his everyone down below. And if maybe he can roll something out to manufacturing and they have a different thought because they're in it. And then his thought is, well, they're not doing what I asked them to do. And then when the board comes before him and is like, why are we 40% down? His immediate response would show blame or shift. Well, they're not, I rolled out the perfect Mm -hmm. protocol. They didn't do it. Or it's a different thing to step up and be like, I failed. I failed to make that connection. I failed to find out why they thought that was right. And we didn't find a middle ground. We didn't mobilize. Either way, they're firsthand in it. So within my own shop, I can have people, I can have failures, or I can have issues, or I can have comebacks, or I can have, and when it happens, I, as the owner, have the opportunity to say, I am so sorry, my technician didn't do it. Or I can say, I failed and I'm going to make it right. I don't, I, he doesn't, he's under my stewardship. He's, I'm yeah. leading. And that's the difference. It's too easy to say, well, I'm sorry, my tech messed up. We'll get this figured out. 
that just passed the blame right there between me to them. I didn't overlook that vehicle that left. I didn't take responsibility for that. And if I were to say, I am so sorry, I failed you. Because ultimately I let that car go or I let that customer have a situation that was unacceptable. And those kind of things, things will happen no matter what. In life, all we meet is resistance. If you don't, you're stagnant, you're not moving. And it's good to meet resistance. How we approach that resistance is different. If I realize a problem and I take ownership of it and then I go to my team, and how do I change that? How do I, how, how do you move that this individual operates correctly? Uh, so I've studied a lot on, you, okay, if I transition. Oh, yeah. Um, I've studied a lot on um, how do you change that? And there is a power in a culture. Mm-hmm. A culture has, here's the difference. When I'm in it with somebody, say I have four or five people next to me. Um, it is easy for me in the midst of it to say, hey, no, 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 don't do that. Come a little closer. You, I need, you know, focus on this. That is easy. But how, when I step away, they don't know what to do. And how do I change that? Well, you can use a culture. If if I have every individual believe we have a culture that a customer is first, we have a culture, then he can make a decision. Oh, boss isn't here. We have a culture of taking care of people. I'm gonna handle this. I will take care of this. And then you have movement in individuals without the necessity, but where did they learn that? If I don't take the time to teach them, they don't know that. If I don't take the time to create the environment, to create the culture, if I never define the culture, nothing happens. And everything that mom and dad are utilizing here. So we hear family so much, some people wonder what family is. And it's easy to misconstrue because, well, speaking to myself, I don't think all of us have amazing families. I, I don't know. We all have shortcomings. We all have letdowns. We all we there's just things no one taught they do, did the best with what they learned and the next one did the best with what they could figure out but there's a difference a family is just a vehicle to create a culture as you establish a culture you have power so a culture a bad culture obviously creates bad decisions if we're aware of what our family's kingdom culture is we have the ability to make our own decision that is that that lines up with what we have been taught with what we've been shown um if we have so i i listed out some things of what i see that here this body this bloodline, this family has in regards to a culture. We know this is a legacy-minded culture. This is a lions, not sheep culture. This is a leader's culture. And, and sometimes it's easy to dismiss, well, I don't own a shop. I'm not a leader. Like, I, I don't own anything. If you have interaction with a human, you're a leader. You're leading something. If you have a testimony in your life of God's goodness, you're a leader. That's not to hold. We're not, our culture is not selfish. We share that. We don't hold on to a testimony. We, you, we know we went through it for a reason. We understand the purpose of forging. Um, it is so easy to dream about good character or dream about being whatever we imagine. Intention is so different than action. And in those kind of things, you don't realize that you have to be hammered. You have to be forged. The, the roughness has to be taken off of you. And that isn't like a soft process. Yeah. 
So we should invite challenge. We should invite growth. We should be, and, and mom and dad have been raising us to do that. We are called to be repairers of the breach. Yep. That doesn't sound like a fun, easy, yeah. happy job. We're, we're called yeah. to go behind others' walls. That's not a normal thing people are gonna tell you to do. It's like, well, they got problems, leave them alone. They'll get through it. They'll figure it out. And we're, we're challenged. We have a culture of staying on the phone longer. When it doesn't feel comfortable, when we're ready to throw our hands up and give yep. up on something, yeah. we stay longer. We just gotta hear what they're saying. Yeah. We have to be, these, these are things that our culture removes ego. It removes personal agenda. There's a greater plan of what we're doing here. It's, it's not just a Friday night. It's yeah. not just a, a meeting. It is a culture of abundance. It's a culture of giving. It, it's a culture of maturity. We're called to maturity. Yeah. How many places can you be at that a pastor allows someone else to be at the pulpit? Most bodies struggle with the soul syndrome. Uh, being jealous of another's movement. Yeah. What other body has a culture that we encourage growth? We want to see growth. We want to challenge you to growth. We want to put you in a place of uncomfortableness. Mm -hmm. That you can have an opportunity to grow. That you have a, a chance to become a leader. And, and, and that you have a chance to be empowered. Not many cultures are empowering. When Megan was showing the the cycle well where does it stop mm -hmm. until we can move do it, Linda. you know how do we move shifting blame is mm -hmm. obviously keeping us in the circle yeah ownership true ownership yep. i failed how am i going to make this up because when i say i failed i have to do something about that right because that or stay stagnant and be a failure i wasn't made to be a failure um, we hear clinging and it's so vital and it came to me uh, I mean I have always had the perspective that clinging and the reason that we even have a mother and a father of a household is we're in an apprenticeship program I have apprentice at my shop and I can have two individuals, they came from different areas, but there's a difference in their growth to the level that they pull on me yep. determines the level of their growth. It reflects in their paycheck too. I have one guy that doesn't need me, he, see, he seems, and knows how to do it and Pride is normal. That's what we meet in the world. But he doesn't see that as a barrier. And his level of trying to understand is just not there yet. That level of maturity hasn't grown. And I have others that have clung. And the amount that they draw from me has created something that has helped them significantly. And that's the same thing here. I don't know all the principles. These are just culture guidelines that were placed, you know, here in this body. This is what mom and dad put here. Uh, some people find it so weird to say mom and dad. And in reality, like Megan has shared one of the best that like explanations to me, just that mom and dad are just a tangible expression of, of the father here on earth that like i can see them i can talk to them and here's the difference just as we mature so as an infant prays it's god i need help i'm in trouble god i need help this is falling apart and dumps their cares yep. and that is okay God is there for that. However, as we mature, there's a difference when I'm asking, how do I get that? 
how where do you want to position when my prayer yeah. life changes to right. Yahweh who is to be my encounter today hmm? who am I to bless today who do I pour into today because if I'm not asking that question daily then like you've heard me say I'm just punching my eight to five like I'm just there for work and work can so easily be taken we live in a very unstable world and to put our reliance in something unstable is foolish however there is something that the father himself he didn't build you with such purpose he didn't build you so meticulously for an eight to five now how do you operate and walk out the miracles he expects how do you do the things here on earth that he, he talks about us doing greater than what's in there we it's a struggle for me to embrace the idea of what is in there I haven't walked it out exactly I can't say I have I have walked many miracles out in general and I have testimonies of that but not to the magnitude of what he's talking about and when he's saying more what would that require then I realize okay this is an apprenticeship program because I need to figure out how to get that when when foundationally I stray from my time with Yahweh in the morning my time pursuing other individuals that I was not placed here just to exist I was placed here to move to mobilize to be an expression of God in someone else's life because that's how power comes when I feel incapable and I just am obedient and I don't blame or I don't excuse or I don't sidestep mm -hmm. and I just move yeah he can do stuff he can create the miracle he can and that there's so much power in that and it's so uncomfortable but one thing to remember dad had always said our indecision is a decision yep. and indecision in battle kills knowing this there, there's a call to decisiveness meaning we are called to make decisions with each great each decision decision making becomes easier decisiveness becomes easier but what if I how do I know I'm making the right decision without clinging without spending time asking Yahweh how do I do this without experiencing it without it's like going to the gym working out doing something without executing movement yep. nothing happens and like I had said earlier we are all called to be leaders no one in here isn't a leader you're here you have interaction with people and that's the number one basic to being called to be a leader we're gonna get ready for some responding because in in Yahweh's grace in in his mercy um, his heart, his heart is for more of you. His heart is for us to experience more of him. It's for fullness. And because of that, there is always an opportunity. There's always an opportunity to shift from where you are to where you need to be, right? Always. And so I just wanted to say that um, just in testimony to Yahweh's faithfulness, that every covering everything that we release tonight that in every season of your life anytime there is a word like this and in the seasons that we've been walking out the the sword the the cutting the laying down and now preparing for the rebuilding that there is stability there is something to stand on there is and Again, recognizing that difference between wrestling and um, being tossed to and fro. If you feel that way, if you feel unsteady, and there are there is some blame or there's there are things that are being identified that you have an opportunity to respond um, in this season and shift and reconcile that with where we're going. Uh, 
because where we're going requires such a level of maturity that we have to break out of the bad habit of blame and the power of that culture. If we are not grabbing a hold of that culture, then there will be nothing to stand on. It will feel like everything including what's under your feet is shaking because we are peeling back so much truth and separating, filtering out what is false. This word, when it talks about leaving behind, you know, the, the pagan culture, when the gen, I wasn't, wasn't going to get into that, <laughs> but, um, we, we are, we are preparing to receive the fullness of what he always intended. And the only way we're going to be able to fully receive that and fully embrace it is if we, <laughs> Clara, is if we operate within the culture that, that has been established in this house and that is being built up in the bride, as well as tonight, if you're feeling stuck, is to move out of blame and shift some mindsets and shift some patterns so that we can regain full ownership of the things that he wants us to own. Because moving forward, we're gonna, ha you're, we're gonna have to be willing to own every truth and reconcile it with everything that hasn't been true. And there's gonna be some wrestling, but, but alignment ultimately feels good, right? And that is part of how you can tell the difference between whether you're being tossed around like a child or you're just wrestling and reconciling through some truths. If you feel chaos, if you feel desperate confusion and you feel like you are, I mean, dying, it might be more of a tossing and a mindset issue. And there might be some culture that you're not accessing. There might be some foundational aspects that you're not standing on because ultimately when we're getting aligned, it should be done in so much. Yes, there's, there's, it's hard. Yes, there's things that, that press us and it's not pleasant, but there is so much joy in gaining more of him that it outweighs everything else. And ultimately that's what we should feel. That's what we should operate in is an overflow of that joy and that praise because we're gaining more of him. We're gaining more of the fullness as we access him in one another, right? And so um, just something to, to press into as we um, get ready to move on. Yeah, so I don't know if any of you guys heard, I mean, this morning I got on Kingdom Air's Vox. I'm not a fan of Voxing, it's very <laughs> difficult for me. But um, a lot of my press has been to recognize and give honor because that is our culture. Our culture gives honor to things that Yahweh gives honor to. And all through the Bible has been first fruits. There, there's examples of when the children of Israel were moved out and when they finally got to their Canaan land, all the spoils from the first, from Jericho falling, all the spoils from that were to be Yahweh's. And, and there's something about first that redeem and protect and proclaim the future. And this morning I had shared on Kingdom Heirs that for myself, my own testimony, the impossible has happened. Redemption for me has come in a time that I felt dead, I felt, in a sense, hopeless, um, loss of purpose, really so much anger. I mean, and there I had blamed God. I had blamed everyone. I had blamed everything around me. And it wasn't until I was able to realize I needed Yahweh. I needed an encounter. I needed to hear from the Father. I needed to stop fighting him, to stop avoiding him, and just press in and do what I didn't like to do. And my testimony is one of redemption. And, and not the only story of redemption, but just the most recent story of redemption. <laughs> and in that, I had been trying to contemplate, how do you give a first fruit towards that? How do I maintain that? How do I, because that came from 
doing something I didn't want to do, clinging. I was so mad at God that, yeah. well, if I just have to talk to mom and dad, that'll be okay. Not realizing God is in them. <laughs> and realizing as I clung Dang to it. that, you I desired and, and wanted something. They had the ability when I couldn't talk to him. Yeah. They were positioned that I could talk to them. And everyone here is that for someone else. Yeah. There's a world that has been hurt by somebody. And it was probably a Christian. And, or something, or life, or whatever it is. However, being positioned and focusing and clinging that you are an ambassador. That when you are out there, you are showing the Father through yourself. And that comes from accepting everything, taking responsibility, complete ownership, yep. and, and, and engaging. That that comes with intentionality. Mm-hmm. If you don't pray in the morning for it, you're not ready for it, and you'll interact with somebody, and wow, that was great. And that was just an interaction. And so in doing so, the challenge for myself was to sow a first fruit into that and it's a financial first fruit and so at this time there's two things one to encourage movement if you have struggled with doubt blame defensiveness accusation if fullness isn't the testimony of your life yeah right now then two things one stand Ooh, come stand up in that I need that. If clinging has been weird to you to hear, if if clinging doesn't feel right, yeah. if kingdom family doesn't feel right, that I need to restore the gap. Yeah. I need that testimony. I need that bloodline to flow through because I need victory in my life. For that, I ask to stand up. And secondly, as you sow into what is being poured, the first root offering that I had shared, I hope everyone pressed in and prayed on what, what and why. Why am I here? Why would I do this? Why would I give financially? Why would I sow into something and I don't understand? Well, your why can be tied to, I need that testimony and it doesn't make any sense. Typically, that's what, the the doesn't make any sense is where God is. Everything that makes sense that I understand is my own pride, (laughs) usually. And when I give into that, I don't get anywhere. Mm -hmm. Thank you for listening to this message from Kingdom Heirs International. If you have received insight and revelation with this message, we invite you to claim that revelation by trading on the trading floor with this ministry. You can do that at kingdomairsflag.org. Thank you.